when I accepted myself internally, I practiced by looking at myself in the mirror and be like, Adam, you're gay. Mm-hmm. Adam, or like, yeah, I'm gay. And I had, I, I practiced that in the mirror so I could see myself and visualize myself saying it to other people as well. Because it was such a thing that I, I locked so far back and never wanted to express in my heart because I was so ashamed of it. Hey, it's Jasmine, and you're listening to I Wish Someone Told Me, a podcast on sex from an Asian perspective, or from those who have lived or are currently living in Asia. On today's episode, I will be speaking to Malaysian YouTuber, filmmaker, and all-round fun and talented friend of mine, Adam. We spoke about his struggles with coming to terms with his sexuality as a gay man, especially in Malaysia, how he finally embraced it and ultimately find the courage to share it with those closest to him and his YouTube family. I hope you're excited. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of I Wish Someone Told Me. And today I have a really old friend of mine. I've known him for the longest time, I think, ever since I started YouTube. And his name is Adam Tambakau. He is a video editor and YouTuber all the way from Sabah, but now he's based in Melbourne. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Jazz. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm really, really good. Um, yeah, glad to be on. This is going to be exciting. I hope to enlighten some of you guys listening right now. Yeah, and for a lot of the viewers, a lot of the listeners out there who may not know you, perhaps you can introduce a bit about yourself. Who are you? What you're doing? And yeah, about your life in general. Sure thing. Um, I'm now over thirty. Uh, let's keep it at that general sort of <laughs> landscape. I live in Melbourne now. I. I guess for some, for those who may know me, they may have known me from YouTube many, many years ago. I used to be a very active, uh, I guess you could say filmmaker slash YouTuber slash somewhat of an activist as well, being in that space for some time when I was living in Malaysia. And um, since then, I've sort of progressed into per, uh, pursuing more personal goals, I'd say. And in that regard, moved to Australia, picked up a career as a video editor at the moment. Who knows if that might change? Still, still dabbling on YouTube, but more in a private sort of more um, self, self. Uh, how do you call this? Self shocks and theory sort of way, right. <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> yeah, uh, up, up until then, I'm I'm still in love with making videos, still in love with the process of filmmaking, and um, hopefully, I'll have more things to show as time moves on. Yeah, I was I was talking to you earlier. Like, do you do you like what you do? Because you're like still you're doing video editing and and you like that. And I I, I love that too to know that because I'm just like you know on YouTube after a while I'm like oh, I love YouTube, but then I'm like oh video editing though. <laughs> but if it's a passion, um... <laughs> absolutely, I love I absolutely love it. I think I literally go to sleep and wake up thinking about how I'm gonna edit my videos all the time. I'm thinking about what videos to make, how am I gonna create it, what what steps I need to to make sure that I can achieve what I'm trying to achieve and it's like that passion itself has never really faded away I just found different ways of doing it and found different ways of making income doing it as well 
Yeah, and then you created created a video on YouTube in the most YouTuber way to sort of talk about your sexuality. But we'll get into that in a bit.、Um, talking about sexuality, you were essentially you were raised in in Sabah, but then you kind of like studied abroad and stuff like that. How was the conversation on sex and sexuality like when you were growing up? Being a Malaysian, being an Asian, in both sort of sides of the world, I would say. How was that like? Sure thing.、Um, I think growing up in Malaysia, the conversation was pretty much non-existent. I do remember a friend of mine who lived in Hong Kong、um, visiting me and telling me about his preferentials in terms of how he pursued sexual relations. And this was like when we were young, thirteen, fourteen. And he talked about kissing and like, and even like you know, touching a girl, like someone's body, and all that some sort of thing. And、um, I was I was maybe twelve at the time, and I was very like naive and innocent about it. I'm like, no, people don't do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> that sounds that sounds so absurd. But obviously, in time, like as you grow up, and you had, I remember, I think in form one, you do learn about the sexual organs, or the human re- reproductive organs, and that sort of opened up the conversation between peers in school、um, about what sex is. Mostly talked in a way where it's funny. I think everyone was sort of awkward about it, so you made it、yeah. out to be funny. And I think really throughout that process, you you do dabble a little bit on it, but everyone's sort of a bit shy and not sure what, what the right questions to ask are. Sometimes even asking a teacher about it, like you get told off not to talk about it because it's not a topic for children in that regard. Even though you're you know you're going through puberty, you're growing up, your your body is changing, and that completely flipped 180 degrees when I came into Australia. I I. <laughs> I went to school to, in Australia after Form Three, so so about fifteen, sixteen, yes.、Okay. And sex was <laughs> in every conversation, every sort of everyday topics. Like it's nothing unusual here, and for me, it was very awkward because I'm like, this is not what we talk about at home. Like, yeah, is it、sure. okay for me to talk about stuff like this?、Mm-hmm. But everyone was already like talking about what it's like to have sex, what it's like to give blowjobs, what it's like to give a handjob. Like these these things were so foreign to me when I first entered Australia. But before before long, you try to fit in, and you sort of just get get used to it. Which is very interesting, like how over here is so taboo, and it's just really normalized there too.、Um, is it only is the conversation only with your friends? So is it also with adults, like teachers, kind of talk about it openly in terms of hopefully in an educational kind of way, not in a very weird sleazy way? Absolutely, it is more normalized here for sure. Whether that I can't think of any specific examples,、um, but I do know even teachers or adults,、uh, parents would talk about sex like in, in sort of more with, with sort of innuendos, but also in the same time with that sort of wink, like you know what I mean when I talk about this.、Um, not so direct. I think talking about sex directly is always more so,、uh, yeah, more so not taboo, but also like reserved for the more safe spaces because it's such、mm. a like. It's such a topic that can swing in so many directions. And as I've as I've grown older and started learning about the world,、um, sex is something that everyone goes through. Every whether whether you're sexual or asexual, it's still something that becomes part of your life. Whether your friends are talking about it, whether people are having children, whether people are choosing not to have children, whether they're having multiple partners, like sex becomes such a pursuant in a person's ability to connect with the world. So speaking about creating connection, I think this is a great segue to the video that you created two years ago on YouTube called "I Want to Let You In 
tam femme and where you sort of reveal your sexuality how was the whole process or journey like in making the video and how was everyone's response hmm. so let me just preface that with my own identity uh, to the listeners out there if you don't know um i am a gay man and i live in australia now uh, part of that process of choosing to live in australia was because i didn't i i accepted myself as who i am as a gay man and i needed to pursue a life in safety um for lack of a better sort of term and that video itself expressing myself through that video um i want to let you in was sort of in paradox to i'm coming out the idea was to talk about coming out but in a way this is my internal world i don't i don't care so much about shouting that i'm gay left right and center like that's not my goal here i just want to say if you want to get to know me this is what i can offer you and this is what i am there's nothing else that i'm hiding if you want to get to know me ask me more questions stuff like that and i think in releasing that i'd like to say that the response the the, the external response was positive i think mm. a lot of people who commented who were already following my journey online responded with great great support and and a lot of pride actually which was very very heartwarming but i also say that because internally i think in a way this video was also like a message message in the bottle for me to sort of open up the conversation a bit more with my family with the with the extension of my family as well because i came out to my parents um, a few years before i released that video and i knew deep down inside them that they wanted to hide that away and not think about it but i i couldn't i didn't want to live like that like I've always been a very somewhat of an expressive person through my videos, through the work I do, through the, the connections I made, and I wanted that conversation to keep going because it's it's part of who I am. If I if I hid that from the world, um, then nothing changes. Like it's you're still gonna pretend to f- like not pretend. You're still gonna fear yeah. um, a lot of things, and I, I wanted to overcome that fear and. I feel like I did through that video and through the process of not just that one video. That wasn't like the the only thing. I think everything takes takes time. It took me many years to accept myself, and I don't expect someone to watch a video and accept accept the fact that this is what it is straight away. It was it was a way to open a conversation. And if anyone wanted to have a conversation beyond that, we can talk did, about it. Did anyone talk to you about that? Like kind of like yeah, did anyone have conversations with you from then on? Yeah, actually there was I think there was a large I'd say quite a quite a fair few people started responding to me on Instagram and responding to me on YouTube and fi- and and sliding to my DMs <laughs> um in, in a non sort of sexually threatening way um but just just being like wow you went through this um I feel exactly what you feel but I don't know what to do and as much as I'd like to offer advice at the same time I'm just like I can hear I hear you you're visible you're not alone in this 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 is my journey and you're going to have your own so if you ever do want to reach out I'm here with open arms and open ears and we can talk about it and cuz I feel like normally I, uh, normally people just want to be to have someone to hold space and just mm, listen that's that's what I found as well and there was a there was a lot like I <laughs> I was surprised at how many people and i i i think you don't you don't understand it until you start reflecting back on it but there was a lot of people a lot of people started realizing that they just had some things to express and through that video um they were able to express that to me maybe maybe i was the first person they ever talked to talked to anyone about it and that's such a revelation that's such a 
a weight off your shoulders, I, I believe, because that happened to me as well when I was able to express that to someone else for the first time. Yeah, because we were talking earlier about coming out to yourself. Um, I was sharing that a friend of mine, he he didn't know, like he kind of knew that he was gay, but also he didn't want to sort of believe that he was gay. And then when he had his first sexual experience with a guy, he called me and he was crying hysterically. And he was just like, I don't know what happened. Like, I just don't know why am I like this? Is something wrong with me? So this, I guess, kind of for me, kind of realizing that he was actually coming out to himself. And that was something very powerful because we always think when it comes to coming out as as whatever sexuality you're in, it's coming out to other people. But there's this element of coming out to yourself. Do you think that it's kind of, do you feel the same way coming out to yourself? And how is that process like? I like that you talked about the idea of like coming out to yourself because that's something I think <laughs> I can't, I can't, I absolutely relate to. It's such a, such an important process of coming out to yourself in in the process of then telling someone else. I can only speak for myself here so I'm going to talk in my perspective. When I was when I was younger, being gay was like as a as a male in a society in a patriarch like a part patriarchal society almost, being gay is like is is so bad. Like it it it's so shamed. If you're not manly enough, you get shamed so hard for being more feminine. And that's something I couldn't relate to, I think, because I, I always felt like in terms of my gender expression, I, I, I express myself completely as male. Most people, when I first came out, were to some extent shocked or like even asked me, are you sure? <laughs> but the process of coming out to myself was something I had to accept inside internally because telling yourself you're gay is accepting the fact that you are going to be ridiculed to some extent. Mm. You, are going to, you are going against the expectations of a society who generally makes fun of this element of a person's sexuality. And, and not just society too. It's like, you know, there's also the element of family, how it sort of extended family, immediate family, how would they react to it? So all these correct. Like things that's happening. Yes. And coming out to yourself, it comes, it, it comes with so much shame and guilt. That's sort of that's sort of things I can remember feeling. I think more of a selfish sort of notion of me accepting myself was also that I always thought I one day I'd like to be a father to a, a child, and if I didn't find a woman to marry in this regard, like I wouldn't be able to do that. It was it was like up until so many like with all these train of thoughts, I would always think of it in a very selfish manner. I think, and up until a point where I was dating. Um, this girl and we were going through the, the motions of, of dating when I sort of just like had had a realization that if 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 this girl falls in love with me and if I reciprocate that love um, I would be ultimately destroying not just my life but hers as well and I couldn't live with that I honestly couldn't live with the idea that what if one day she these sexual um, uh, tendencies, I guess, yeah. these sexual these these needs of, of the body, these needs of the of of what what it means to be a human being, they will surface. I think I believe I truly believe that. Like no matter how much you try to hide it, you you're only human, and you have your your, your body has your needs, has, has your wants. Not to say we weren't sexual with each other. I would say with a lot of the girls I dated, I tried to be as sexual as I could, and it was work. It wasn't mm. natural, if that right. makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was there was a layer of making sure I was mentally ready, making sure that the process would not be found out. Like there was a, there was a there was a part of you that you had to hide, and and it, at, for for a man, when you as you know, like when you're having sex, obviously you need an erection for it to happen. But I've I've learned how to I actually actually practiced and learned how to make that happen for it to not be found out. If that makes sense. Mm. And I, I I can say this for a lot of um from my experience of meeting a lot of other gay men who were in the closet for a long time or have hasn't come out to themselves. That's something that people do, and it's, it's not hard. It's not entirely impossible to, for it to happen because the feeling of touch, the sensations of smell, and and everything else as well creates a sex a, a response in your body in your physical body. So, um, if if someone is gay and is able to sleep with a woman, it's not it's not far fetched. Yeah, it's just that they have learned to control their body. When I accepted myself internally, I practiced by looking at myself in the mirror and be like, "Adam, you're gay." Mm-hmm. Adam, or like, "Yeah, I'm gay." And I had to, I, I practiced that in the mirror so I could see myself and visualize myself saying it to other people as well, because it was such a thing that I, I locked so far back and never wanted to express in my heart because I was so ashamed of it. The more you practice it. The more you practice doing something, the better you become at it every single day. It's, it doesn't. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, just like me making films doesn't make. It doesn't. It doesn't happen overnight. That I, I'm able to make feature film documentaries and stuff. Like I'm. I'm practicing and making my way to a certain level. That's the same with coming out with my sexuality. I think every day is a practice. The fact that I now live with my boyfriend um, of two years and we go out and sometimes. Even holding his hand still feels foreign to me, but that's mm-hmm. that's changed. I think in the last a year or two because I get to practice it, and it's fantastic. Because otherwise, <laughs> I just I shy away from it. Yeah, um, yeah. Being able to practice and faking it until you make it—it's something that it's it's great that you sort of said it. And also, like another thing is to just be kind to yourself. I always say this to be kind to yourself, to don't be so harsh. Like if you find any difficulty in any way or why am I feeling this way? Just give yourself time to sort of, yeah, again, practice until you, you sort of can. Um, so your, your sister came out as a trans man and which is, you know, which is a huge deal and such an amazing thing for him to go through that and to be able to document his journey as a, as a family member, as a friend, as an ally, how can we best support um, someone who is uh, an LGBTIQ plus family member or friend? How can we, how would you like to be supported, especially, I guess is my question. I, I think at, at, at first glance, it's listening to their story, listening to what they have to say, and then trying to understand um, instead of imposing your, imposing one's view or one's perspective, because that perspective is deemed right in the eyes of society. Everyone has their own experience. And when Kai came out initially about his sexuality, it was different from his gender expression. I think that evolved as he grew more and more comfortable with himself. And the fact now that he's embracing who he is at such a young age is like I hold immense pride in that. Like I'm so proud of what he's able to do, what he's achieved and how he's going about doing it. And I think there's a, there's a reflection on that to me because now I feel like I have to also show him that I can be 
an ally or be a proud gay man to some extent to, to make sure that we support each other in that sense. Um, yes, he's a family member and I, I love him to bits in all, in all degrees of that. I really, I still, I, I can be honest with this by saying I still struggle as well when trying to express that to new people. So, cause a lot of people knew Kai as a girl and would talk about Kai as my sister. I, I try to change that conversation by nonchalantly, not 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 in sort of like a no. This is how it's supposed to happen, but more like, well, my brother's living in the U.S. now. He's actually a working actor, so I try to just use the pronouns to just maybe change that, change the the mental idea of what you what a person once had to understanding that this is what it is now. And unless they question it, most of the time people don't because when you're when you're changing the pronouns, like they still get the idea in their head, like they understand what you what you're talking about. And most of the time, people haven't actually asked beyond that. And I don't know if that's because of being afraid to ask, because it's taboo, or it's just a sign of acceptance. Yeah. Coming back down to your question of like how how best to support, I think just listen. Listen and understand. Try your best to understand. You're not necessarily going to understand overnight. But if you have questions, that's the best way to understand. And most of the time, question if, you if you're not questioning their integrity, if you're also questioning because you're curious, you're going to get an honest response. And I think people are afraid of honest responses. Most sometimes people are afraid of it because they don't know how to feel after that. Because they don't know how to react. What should I say? They now? don't know how to react. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't ask the question, but actually, those questions are very important to sort of understand. Absolutely. Coming back, like this is why I think your podcast is amazing. These are questions that are hard to express in, and you can even hear me struggling to sort of put my thoughts together because I don't have, I don't get to practice these answering these questions a lot. But I hope, I hope to some extent, you, if you're listening to us talk about this, like you do, feel like you're getting an idea about what it's like to be a gay man or even an ally to the LGBT community. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for for saying that. We're going to the fun part of the uh, of the podcast of the episode where we talk about juicy questions that everyone would like to know in order to get to know you. So, how old were you? Are you ready? <laughs> like, <laughs> let's take it. Let's take a breath, a breath of fresh air. <sighs> okay, juicy question. How old were you when you had your first kiss? Mm, Fifteen. 15. Explanation or just uh, just straight up answer? Uh, that's okay. 15. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> because then after that, the next one is the one that, you know, really going in. Okay, first kiss is 15. First orgasm. Mm, 12. Okay, how was 12. that like? Do you remember what happened? Um, I do remember what happened. I, <laughs> I do remember um, playing with myself and... Try, I think I think I understood at that point, like, like there's this, like, I remember reading something online. I'm like, okay, there's a sense of orgasm. I, what is it? I don't understand what it is because I like whatever everyone's explaining, it doesn't make sense to me. Like I've never experienced this. And and then at one time I was, I was playing myself for a longer period than I, I guess I normally would. And that escalated and escalated. And before I knew it, there was an explosion of feelings that I never felt before. And it was euphoric. <laughs> <laughs> that is the orgasm. Wait, well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, your sexual debut. So I love talking. I love. I want to use this word from now on: sexual debut instead of losing your virginity, because it's not so much a loss that we're experiencing. Um, yeah. How old were you when you had your first sexual debut? And it could be anything, right? Whatever your definition of a sexual debut is. Sure. Um, let's say the first time I've ever 
be naked in front of another person and that person's be naked in front of me. I think I was 17, just like two months off my first, my 18th birthday. And it was with a, a stranger, actually. <laughs> um, it was with another man. And I think I remember being very careful because I met this guy online, but also, and not, not totally sure about what I was getting into. I, I'm, I made sure that I found safe routes, if anything. I, again, I could I couldn't tell anyone what was happening. I was I was hidden. I was I was still hidden from from my conducts, sexual conducts <laughs> at that point, um, or any any sort of sort of regard to that. And I met up with a man in a apartment, small apartment, I'd say. Um, Is this his place? And it was his place. Mm. As I and as as I approached, met him outside. He was like, hey, come in with me. I, I went and we had our first, I had my first sexual experience at that point. Um, yeah, I was 17, walked away from there. And to be honest, like I honestly thought I just want to get it out of the system. Like mm. I knew I was attracted to men. I wanted to meet this guy, get it out of my system, experience it and never think about it ever again. Because after that, I never met another man for another few years. I started, I was like, it's out of my system. I started dating other girls. But that, that experience sort of shamed and guilted me more than I ever thought it would. Um, I felt so much guilt for enjoying it. I felt so much shame for still thinking about it, despite having got out of my system. I never met the man ever again, but I knew that it's not something you can just do once and then forget about. Yeah, It's something that you realize oh, there's something more there than what I'm getting elsewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, your best sexual experience? Hmm. <laughs> there's so there's, there's so much. To be honest, like I've, I I think I, I, I love it. <laughs> I've 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 had a lot of uh, very interesting experiences, uh, sexually and non-sexually. That sort of enc- like was embodied around sexual attraction. That I'd say probably the most interesting experience I've had was at a club and pretty much making out with two other guys at the same time. It was, it's, it's weird, but also a very memorable one. <laughs> you mean like the three of you kind of like there and, and making out, or is it just you with someone and then you with another person? Um, three of us at one go and we were just all like touching and feeling each other and then having lots and uh, having a makeup session at the same time. Whoa, that must be. And like, just, just going between each other's faces, like (laughs) a a bit, a bit visual, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's too (laughs) far-fetched. Um, uh, what's sexual experience? I don't think any of them are worst. I have never felt any, I guess the, I'd say my first one, just because of the guilt and shame that came with it. I enjoyed the experience while it was happening. But like right after that, there was this huge weight on my shoulders that I just kept carrying because I thought that was it. And that turned into so much guilt, not just like with other people, but with myself. Um, when it came to masturbation, I'd be like, okay, I, that's out of the system. Like we're watching straight porn today. Mm. And Obviously, my eyes would still just be attracted to a certain aspect of the of the pornography that you're seeing, and that turned to a lot of guilt. Like, it, I know it's a, it's a little deeper than like the worst sexual experience, but <laughs> um, outside of that, I think every every other sexual experience I've had, I can't rate it badly. Like, it's it's an experience. It's yeah. good or bad. I, I like how you sort of like put that in. It's like it's not. 
it's not good, no bad, or it can be both, but it's, it is an experience nonetheless. Um, so yeah, and and sex in itself as well has got to, lots to do with chemistry and connection and and the person. Even even seeing someone who you think is smoking hot, mm-hmm. and then having potential sexual experience with them, if the connection is not right, it could turn into really awkward and weird sex. And then so someone that you're just like, you know, you 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 have good conversation with you're kind of goofy around and you don't think they're sexually attractive, but then having that sexual experience with that person sometimes turns out magical because you're just in the right wavelength. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing that's like really important to highlight as well is that, is that it doesn't mean that if you have like the right equipment, um, the right size or like whatever it is or ex- you know, that it will be a pleasurable sexual experience. Sometimes it's all about the connection, the feeling of safety. If you kind of ask each other what you like, instead of just like, this is what you like, I'm just going to assume it, I'm not going to listen to you, then you're just going to have a shit experience, right? You are absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. There is such, there's so much trust that is important in having great sex. And I, I can, I can definitely vouch for that. I think trust and respect in each, each other's boundaries, but also being able to talk about things and potentially being open to new experiences. It all comes with having, having a great sexual experience. On top of that, I also, I, I think I should have prefaced this like early on, and I, I, I'm just going to say this now. Like in all my sexual experiences, I've always uh, educated myself with the, the practice of safe sex. Yes. I think it's very important to have an awareness of what safe sex means. Um, so to those listening to this, if I think safe sex is for me, like using a condom, if you can have it during the experience, but also talking about what it means to have sex, talking about it before making sure you have, um, consent. Correct. Absolutely. And, um, being open about it and not expecting the other person to read your mind and Mm -hmm. expecting the other person to also, you know, it goes vice versa. I feel like my, my practices in approaching sex has always been as blunt and open as possible just so I know that both sides are on the same understanding and despite feeling insecure sometimes about how I approached it I knew I was always doing myself a favor by making sure that hey this is this is what I prefer and this is where we're this is the boundaries we're we're sitting in if you want to go more than that talk to me about it but I'm not inclined to saying yes or no like let's talk about it Let's have that conversation. Yeah. Let's check in with each other. Active consent, active conversation. Absolutely. Last question. What is the one thing you wish someone told you? I think it's, I think that's, that'll be okay. It's okay to be gay. There's nothing wrong with it. I think growing up, I had so much guilt and where, where I'm now, like it's an incredible world to be able to see your future in a different light, not pretending like you're someone else and that it's okay because the world keeps going the world keeps going and no matter what you choose no matter how you feel now and no matter how scared you are you you can always learn to overcome it and then feel like you you can feel happy i love it i'm like smiling as you're like saying all of that i was just like <laughs> thank you for being on the show adam and for sharing all the nuggets of wisdom that you shared with us today i really appreciate it thank you thank you for having me jasmine like and thank you for doing a show like this i feel absolutely honored that you you think of me and to be able to share anything that i can as some sort of valuable insight for someone else who's going through this just know you'll be okay you'll be okay because life goes on and reach out find find your support group find your allies and people will always be happy to lend a hand. Wonderful. 
Thanks for listening to the show. I wish someone told me is hosted and produced by Jasmine King with new episodes bi-weekly on Wednesdays. Follow I Wish the Pod on Instagram so you won't miss any updates. And feel free to share your thoughts, reflections, and aha moments from this episode. Catch you later.